All right, we're going to open our Bible up to um, 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And um, I just want one verse here, and that's verse 10. And it says here, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his uh, sorry, done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. So the Bible makes a pretty uh, strong statement that whatever we do with our life, we will eventually have to be accountable to Jesus Christ. We will all stand before his judgment seat, as it says here, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, and he will judge righteously. And the Bible says that, For as it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess God. That's uh, in Romans 14, if you're looking for it. In Philippians 2 it says, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the Bible makes some pretty strong statements that uh, eventually we will all stand before Jesus Christ, before his judgment seat, and uh, every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow to Jesus Christ and to, and to the glory of Almighty God who gave his beloved Son uh, for us all. So we stand now filled with the Holy Spirit. As Nick was testifying, received the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues back there in 1984, and uh, we have Christ in us, the Bible says, uh, and we obviously are accountable right now because we've received Jesus Christ, we have received of his Spirit, and we stand accountable uh, before the Lord as we walk on in the Lord, and of course we will stand before him at his coming. You know, uh, eventually even those who obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ, who choose uh, to live their life in some other way, eventually they will have to give an account for God what they've done with their life, whether it be good or whether it be evil, what they have done about his son, which is Jesus the Saviour, Jesus who died for all mankind. He get, that's what God did. He gave his beloved son to die the sins of every man and every woman uh, on the planet. So ultimately, we all have to decide. That's, that's the ultimate question of life, really. We all have to decide what are we going to do about Christ? What are we going to do about Jesus? I often use that line when I'm trying to witness to people. At the end of the day, you're going to have to give an account. What are you doing about Jesus Christ? Are you listening to his words? Are you responding uh, to his message of salvation? You know, he paid the ultimate price for you. So you eventually will bring, be brought into account about what you've done about it, what you've done about the gospel what you've done about the message of salvation, what you've done about the sacrifice of the Lord. That is the bottom line for all people. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says, You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're no longer our own. We receive the Holy Spirit. We've been, we, the price of the sacrifice of Jesus has been paid for us. We have received his spirit and now we belong to the Lord. We've been bought with that precious price of the sacrifice of the Lord. We belong to the Lord now. We are accountable to him now. We will have to give a, an account of what we are doing 
with our life as unto the Lord. We are here to uphold his testimony, his word within us. In chapter 7 of First Corinthians, uh, we're in Second Corinthians, so otherwise we'd go over the page, but um, I'll just read it for you. In chapter 7, 1 Corinthians, it says, You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. So once again, uh, you're, there's only two types of servants on the planet. You either serve this world, Jesus called it mammon, or you serve God. Well, we've been bought with the price of Jesus Christ, so we're accountable to God. We are the servants of God and not of this world. You know, we, um, we're here, obviously, uh, to hold ourselves accountable. I'm going to use that word a few times uh, during this talk. Uh, hold ourselves accountable to him. Not here to serve ourselves, not here to serve this world and his fashion, but rather to hold ourselves accountable to Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. You know, last night, we, um, it, was, it was great to be here last night, and uh, the, the, the two presentations the two brothers uh, gave, but one of the presentations was about the scarlet thread, about, you know, it was all about the colour red, and uh, uh, Brother Andrew gave a talk about the scarlet thread back there in the days of Jericho when Rahab the harlot left the scarlet thread to... Uh, so the spy of the people of Israel, as they came into Jericho to destroy it, then they would save those who were in the household, which was identified by the scarlet thread. A wonderful story, but uh, as Andrew said, it was an analogy of what was to come. The blood of Christ would cover us. You know, that's what it represented. He which has redeemed us, he which saved us by giving his life for us. And uh, yeah, by the way, thanks very much. I, I, uh, there were two great little presentations last night. I, got, I personally enjoyed them and I found them very uplifting and very enjoyable. They were both quite different in the, in delivery, but it was uh, very, very good. In fact, I said to Rob afterward, you put a bit of time and effort into that. Well, you know, he's reading Josephus and what have you. Well, of course, you want to do the Word of God justice, don't you? You want to be prepared and... Uh, deliver it with conviction and uh, with some uh, knowledge and understanding of what, what it's, how it's to be applied in our life. So the point here is that uh, we are bought with a price, we're not our own, we should all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we'll stand before the Lord, we serve him, we have to keep ourselves accountable to him and that's what my talk is all about. The talk is about accountability, that's what I've called it, uh, accountability to the Lord, to the one who gave himself for us, to his word, to be faithful to that, to his spirit, to his church. We are accountable to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're called to be faithful to God and to his people, to uphold his testimony in his church. It's all about being accountable to that. We're accountable for the gospel message, to make a stand for the Lord in what we do with our life. That's what he said. We're going, we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For us, it's happening now and every day as we walk in his spirit. We make a stand for the Lord. We say, this is the great things that God has done for me. This is, as you heard our brother Nick, this is what my life was like and this is what it is now and I love the Lord for it and I thank him for it. Praise the Lord. We will be judged on what we have done with the Holy Spirit, with Christ in us. You know, 
uh, it's best we not neglect our duty, our responsibility. We can't afford to be half-hearted in our accountability to the Lord. We've got to embrace it all and be accountable to it all, obviously. Um, in fact, if you go to Luke chapter 16, we've been talking a bit here about uh, servants of the Lord. Let's go to Luke 16. You know, we're going to have to give a full account. We're not going to get away with shortcuts. We're not going to get away with uh, cutting corners and then dishing it up to the Lord and saying, well, that's what I've done. You know, we're not going to, we can't uh, sort of uh, try and get away with as little as possible. Uh, God's not mocked. You know, he knows. And so, and he will hold us accountable and responsible for what we have done with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, with the infilling of the Holy Ghost, with the work of God in our life. You know, if you're new here today, well, good on you. You're in the right place. Praise the Lord. Let's hope you've got ears to hear. Let's hope you have a desire to follow the Lord. And, uh, you know, because ultimately that's the question you're going to have to answer too. What are you doing about Jesus Christ? Are you going to repent and be baptised and receive his Holy Spirit? That's the Bible direction. That's what Nick did. That's what many here have already done. And that is really what we've got to ask ourselves. What's my life all about? Well, your life is about what you do about Jesus Christ because your life will be eventually have to give an account to him. In Luke 16 here, we find someone who was charged with responsibility. And we read here in verse 1, uh, And he said unto his uh, disciples, There was a certain rich man representing the Lord, uh, which had a steward representing the servant of the Lord. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. So the steward was not doing the right thing with what his master had given to him. And he called him. The master called the steward to him. And he said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account, there is the word, give an account of your stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be a steward. Um, <clears throat> so what have you done with the Holy Ghost is what he's asking him. What have you done with the word of God? What have you done with my testimony? I give you freely all my goods and all my riches. I've bestowed them upon you and I expect you to act responsibly and to be faithful to what I've given you and to look after it properly. You've neglected your responsibility. Now give an account. And we see here at Trevor's an amazing response from this guy. You know, uh, and we'll find that the response is really... Uh, well, it's not the right response. It looks good, maybe, but it's not the right response because the, re the response he gives is very self-serving and it's a very, very, what I would call a very expedient reaction. You know, let's get out of this best way we can. Verse 3. Then the steward said within him, within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord takes away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg, I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, <coughs> that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and he said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. So we're cutting corners here. 
Then said he to the other, And how much hast thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write fourscore. So rather than a hundred, eighty. And the Lord uh, commended, uh, sorry, I just paused there. Uh, so he didn't worry about, well, what, what is the right thing to do by my master here? You know, what does it mean to be a faithful steward, an accountable steward? After all, he is calling me into account to do the right thing by his, by his goods. He didn't, that didn't even enter his mind. Never mind what's right, what's just, what's fair, what's correct here. Uh, I'm not prepared uh, to, you know, to, to make the effort. He says, I'm not prepared to dig and make an effort and, uh, and I'm too ashamed to sort of humble myself. Uh, but I've still got to give an account to him, so I'll cut a few corners. I'll take a few shortcuts. And he does that all over the place. You know, he's compromising. That's what he's doing with what God had given him. I'll see what I can get away with. See how I can get out of the situation. See what's expedient right now. The word expedient means advantageous to suit whatever the situation you're in. So what, what's advantageous for me right here, right now? I'll do that. Fix it that way. I'll do what's expedient in my situation. Never mind what's right. And that's why he's called, as you read on the top of your Bible, the unjust steward. You know, it wasn't a Holy Ghost reaction. It wasn't a spiritual reaction. It wasn't a right reaction. You know, he should have humbled himself and really uh, sought the Lord to get things right, obviously. But, uh, you know, that's not the way the flesh operates. That's not the way this world operates. This world is full of expediency and compromise. In verse 8, we read, The Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of the world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Yes, it was a worldly response with worldly wisdom, you know, uh, and uh, and the Lord patted, it sort of commended him for that. But in verse nine he says, "And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they shall receive you into everlasting habitation." So the Lord commended him for his worldly wisdom, but he said, there are consequences for this. For not wanting to get it right, you know, you have a duty to be accountable to the Lord. I bestowed my goods for you to care for them, but you've chosen to be, uh, to do what you've done, to neglect your duty, your responsibility, your accountability to me, and now you're cutting corners all over the place. You've been unjust. You've been unfaithful. You've compromised. You've cut corners out of darkness. That's where you'll end up, weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, you can, uh, in fact, in, the, in Matthew 25, verse 30, uh, it says, He cast out the unprofitable service into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Of course there will be. Um, in fact, here, if we amplify uh, verse 9, it says, You make friends... For yourself by means of the unrighteous mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions. So when it fails, the treasures on upon the earth, when moth and rust has corrupt, and it fails, uh, those that you have favoured may receive and welcome you into their everlasting dwellings and habitations. Yes, there won't be a heavenly kingdom 
you know, it would be quite the opposite to that, as I said, weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's pretty serious consequences to be an unjust steward. And verse 10 says, He that is faithful in which in that which is least is all uh, is also is faithful also in much and you may remember when the lord returns uh, he says well done thou good and faithful servant you have been faithful in that which is least yeah enter into the joy of the lord and be faithful in much i will give you the riches of heaven forever praise the lord so that's the key the key is to be faithful and to be accountable in everything the Lord has given us, large or small, the problem is that we are, and the world generally, is hardwired, is the way I would call it, to be self-serving, to cut corners, to be expedient, to be self-justifying in our actions to the Lord and dish it up and say, well, you know, I've done my best. It is the way of the world. It is the way of the flesh. It's the way of mammon. You know, that's the way it is. Our default, as to use the computer language, I'm no good at, is to cut corners. It is to justify our actions. And then to dish it up and say, well, I've, you know, I've been as responsible as I can be. You know, it never entered into this guy's mind to say, well, what's right here? What is just? What is correct? What, what, what is my master's goods here? And what should my master be rewarded for, for those goods? What is the right price for them? That didn't come into it. It's just what is expedient to get me out of this jam right now? Compromise and expediency abounds in the world of mammon. It abounds in the world of the flesh. You know, that's, uh, this world abounds in compromise and expediency. You know, um, it's always expediency over accountability. You know, uh, you can look at whatever you like. You know, apparently uh, we read in the papers right now, uh, we're going to face gas shortages here in Australia where there's bucket loads of gas, you know. Um, but you're going to face gas shortages and you're going to pay horrendous prices for gas and maybe not even have a shortage and not be able to get enough or whatever when there's bucket loads of it. Now, you would have thought the right thing for the people of Australia, there's lots of gas here, that somehow or other the, the laws of trading and so on is that, first of all, you have a duty and responsibility to make sure the people here are served with what they need. Now, I'm just using gas as a, because it happened to be in the front page of the paper the other day. And then if you have more, well, by all means, trade with it. But no, profit, that's got to be the driving force, not what's right for the people. Make sure you maximise your profits. You know, what's expedient, what's, what's good right now is getting more money or whatever. And so we sell out, of course, and uh, never mind about the, the people that we have a duty uh, to be accountable to and, uh, and make sure they're cared for. Well, I'm just picking something that... It's uh, just come to mind, gas. You know, uh, uh, President Trump over in America there, he's trying desperately to, to look after his own. After all, he was elected by his own people to maybe make sure they've got jobs and futures and, uh, and so on. And he's putting them first. 
well, so he says, and so the, the news uh, reports. And, uh, you know, after all, I'm, elect, I'm responsible to them first, not to, uh, you know, the world trade and all the rest of it. Um, and, of course, he gets accused of all sorts of wrongdoing for doing that. So, generally, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty expedient and uh, we look to be driven by, uh, well, the wrong reasons, really. And uh, we make our excuses and we justify it so we don't have to be accountable. I mean, I was talking to a lady just this week. Uh, I'd witnessed to this lady a couple of weeks ago. I told her about the Lord, invited her to dinner night, and she told me that she was very interested in God. I thought, wow, that's music to my ears. Um, and uh, so I, I, I wrote her a letter and put all the pamphlets together and, and gave them all to her and so on. She says, oh, I've had some robust discussions on, that seems to be a big term these days, robust discussions, uh, about God, you know, and, and so on. And I'm really open-minded. She even said that. So I thought, oh, well, here we go. So I gave her all the stuff. Well, I met her again during this week. Did you get my letter? Oh, yeah, oh, I, was a, I was a bit busy, you know. Uh, I said, well, you know, we actually opened the letter together. I said, well, you know, if you're really genuine and sincere about finding the Lord, come to a meeting, you know. Okay, you missed out last week, but you can come to a meeting. And immediately I said, come to a meeting. I, you know, I'm a single mother. I'm holding down three jobs. I'm marking exam papers. I'm working here. I'm and the list went on. It was an extensive list. It was an impressive list that one person could do so much with their life. And uh, I listened and I said, oh, so what you're really saying is you're too busy uh, to have a look at what Jesus Christ offers you. And, and well, she was, that didn't help the situation. So, <laughs> and she, um, she said, for right now, it's going to. Um, it's just going to have to be enough to be in here and in here. You know. That, in other words, I'll, I'll just think of the Lord in my thoughts and and so on. I don't know exactly what she meant, but she stormed off with that and went and got a coffee. Don't look at it and talking to me. Um, but uh, too busy. In Luke chapter fourteen, Jesus was angry with people who made all sorts of excuses. You know. You can't get making excuses, you know, but we do. That is our default position. We make excuses for not responding to the gospel message. Oh, I'm not picking on this particular lady. I hope and pray that she comes, you know. Uh, you look at what we've done to the gospel message alone. As I said, we live in a sea of compromise and cutting corners. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the announcement of Jesus coming, being baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. All the people said. Jesus Christ came to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's his whole ministry, sacrifice, resurrection, that you may be spirit-filled. You go out there and find out the, the, um, the variations on that theme that you've got. You can give your heart to Jesus and we can jazz it all up with a mega church and entertainment or galore and it'll fit in with your lifestyle. You don't have to go too much out of your way, uh, anything, and you can have a bit of God and feel good about it all and so on. Total compromise. You know, and how, 
that's just the nature of it all. And Jesus highlighted that in our age in particular, it would be, it would be at a maximum. Cutting corners is the way of the world, you know. But the thing is, there are consequences. There are always consequences. And the consequences, as we saw here in the unjust steward, can be dire. Out of darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know. I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me. This is a very tragic story, uh, but I was involved in this story. This happened three years before I came to the Lord. Um, uh, I was 28 at the time. I was a supervisor of a maintenance group down at Rapid Bay. Uh, we, we had to maintain a lot of very, very old equipment, and it was very hard to get it right. Nevertheless, I had a team of very capable men, and uh, we used to look after uh, this gear as best as we could. Anyway, I won't go into a lot of detail, but we were trying to uh, get a machine going that uh, was was very old, had been out of action for some considerable time, an old crane it was, and um, and uh, it came the time when we were ready to fire this thing up, and um, and we needed the, the the batteries, obviously giant batteries to sort of get the motor cranked over. Uh, to work, and they were flat. The electrician did his best to bring him up to speed, but, you know, anyway, the electrician's name was Rod. Um, he was a very capable tradesman, very versatile, very good at what he did. Under his, um, under his workbench, there was a set of jumper leads. Now, you all know what jumper leads are. There's those two leads that you go from battery to battery, and they've got four clips on the end, alligator clips we call them, you know, they go on the terminals of the batteries, I think everybody pretty much aware of that. Well we had a set of these heavy duty ones to take loads of current and uh, and and there was an alligator clip missing on one of these so they were under his bench with what we call an outer service tag, a tag in his bench on the on this set of jumper leads which said, out of service, not to be used, until obviously they were repaired and the alligator clip was restored, and then they could be used. And it was a job that eventually he would get around to repairing the set of jumper leads. Anyway, this particular day we needed... Uh, he told me, look, don't worry, when they're ready, I'll jumpstart the vehicle for them. And he was the sort of guy that you had so much confidence in, you didn't worry about him. He was an extremely capable man. And uh, what he did, you know, a very capable all-round electrician. And uh, anyway, um, I, w- I went to look at the job. I then went on to look at another job. And uh, as I was looking at this other job, uh, one of the tradesmen grabbed me by the shoulder and he said, um, uh, I believe Rod's dead. And uh, so I rushed back to the scene and sure enough, he'd been crushed between the two vehicles and he was dead all right. Um, what had happened was, in wanting to jumpstart the crane, he got a truck to get the power off the battery of the truck. Because there was an alligator clip missing, he decided not to use the jumper leads that were quite good, but weren't big enough. He chose the bigger jumper leads, alligator clip, uh, 
gripped his hand, puts his hand, uh, holds it on the terminal with his hand, putting himself in the middle of the two vehicles. Uh, we don't quite know why the crane moved when it did, but it did move. And one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is go home with my manager to his home and to tell his wife that their 34-year-old husband wasn't coming home. And he had three little kids, five to eight ages, and the little girl, she was in calipers, she had hearing aids, you know, all this quite disabled little child. It's just consequences of die. Why? We took a shortcut. Well, he took a shortcut, you know. Um, and uh, there are just so many examples of where we cut a corner, we compromise something, we take a shortcut, and next thing, the consequences are dire. You know, you, you look at the, the food, talking about expediency, you know, the fast food industry, it's just going berserk all over the place. Now, everybody knows there are consequences if you eat all that stuff, you, know, you turn into a bit of plastic. Um, but it's convenient, it's expedient, so never mind. Uh, anyway, that's just... So how do we flick the switch? Let's go to Romans 14. Romans 14. Romans 14. If we're hardwired this way, how do we... How do we get to be accountable? How do we get to be a servant that is faithful in the little things? Right? As Jesus commands us to do. Back there in, um, I'll read it to you again, that verse. It says, um, He that is faithful in that which is also least is faithful also in much. Right, so how can we start to go from being, you know, compromises and cut corners and justifying ourselves and self-serving and doing the things which are expedient to someone who wants to get it right, wants to be accountable? You know, um, going back to uh, the story I just told you, as tragic as it was, it, I mean, we had safety meetings every month, you know, Anything like an out of service tag was just was just a non negotiable. Anything that had a, an out of service tag, you did not touch it, you didn't operate it. We had two tags out of service tag for out of service equipment and a danger tag. A danger tag was if I'm going to work on these lights, I'd place my danger tag on the power supply switch and nobody is allowed to touch that danger tag, that switch, because I'm working on, on the lighting system here. They were just absolutely non-negotiable rules. They were drummed into us time and time again. We take a shortcut, we pay a price, a huge price in this particular case. Now, you know, I wouldn't have cared less, you know, if it took three days to fix up a pair of jumper leaves so that we could jumpstart that thing. It's just the way it would have to be. But anyway, Romans 14, verse 17. I just want one verse here again. Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So it was 
Well, Stan, you see here, uh, three key words here. Righteousness is mentioned. That's what the kingdom of God is about, about getting it right. Being uh, peace, obviously being reconciled to God, being one with him, one with his word, one with his testimony. You know, really wanting to get it right, to be in tune with what God says, to be in tune with the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, the joy. There is great joy in serving the Lord. There is great joy in getting it right. You know, it might sound boring. Oh, I'm getting it right, you know. But it's not. It's not boring at all. It's, it's fantastic to be reconciled to God. The peace of God that passes all understanding, the joy of the Lord, you know, a fantastic. And they go together with this getting it right. You know, blessed is he, Jesus said, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after what's right, after righteousness. He shall be filled. You know, and, uh, and the joy of knowing that you're pleasing to God, you're getting it right with the Lord. You know, you have a this bursting desire within yourself to, what does the Bible say about this and how can I do it? How can I pray this scripture in and make sure I fulfil it in my life? You know, um, it, it, it comes together with this appreciation that we're going to show in a moment here, uh, the remembrance of the Lord's sacrifice on our behalf. Again, we talked about it at the beginning. You've been bought with a price. And our appreciation that we belong to the Lord now. We have been redeemed. We're not our own. Therefore, magnify the Lord. Glorify the Lord in the things you do. And the desire to want to be pleasing in that way is really what makes the whole thing so joyous and wonderful and gives us that hunger and that thirst. You know, it can only happen. That hungering and thirsting can only happen if the Holy Spirit gets cranked up. It won't happen just sitting there. The switch, our default is cut corners. And God says, I want you to change that and I don't want you to be unfaithful, but faithful and accountable and true and loving and hungering and thirsting for that which is right. You know, that's how he wants us to be. And so, you know, we've got to obviously get the Holy Spirit working in that way. You know, a couple of minutes of prayer here and there is not going to cut it. You've got to spend time having fellowship with the Lord in the Spirit, cranking up the Holy Spirit and asking the Lord, Lord, fill me with this desire to be hungry and thirsty for what is righteous, for what is right. In fact, in Isaiah uh, chapter 12, it says, With joy you should dwell, you should draw from the wells of salvation. You know, because it goes on in, in Isaiah 12. It's a fantastic little chapter stuck in the middle of Isaiah there. Uh, it says, the Lord is your strength. The Lord is salvation. It's the realisation of all of that and what the blood of Christ means to us. You know, knowing that we're saved. Knowing that uh, the grace of God has been bestowed upon us. You know, that you're impressed and moved by that. You're impressed and moved by the great works of God in your life. How he saw you afar off and drew you to him. And now here you are, a member of his body, the church. You know, his great works in your life. That you want to give praise and you want to give thanks and you want to magnify. And the best way to do that, of course, is using the power of the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Lord is a strength. You know, we want to 
meditate, as it were. Forget not all his benefits, the Bible says. Well, you know, it's a reality to us. We've been forgiven of all our iniquities. Psalm 103. We have been healed of all our diseases. We have been redeemed from our life of, of destruction. We have been crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies. When we crowned him with thorns, he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He does satisfy our life with the, the blessing and the fullness of God. And all the people said, meditate on that. Stir that up. Bring it to remembrance by the Holy Ghost. And of course, that's how we throw the switch. That's how we, we have a hunger and a thirst for that which is right. You know, um, when we stir up that gift of the Spirit, that's what, uh, that's what we read here. Um, the kingdom of God, peace and the joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, I live now with a, well, I live with three of my grandchildren. One of them, the latest edition, he's seven months old now, Samuel. And he's just found his appetite. And I, <laughs> and we know if you don't get that spoon into his mouth fast, then you hear all about it. Nothing else matters. He's hungry. And you know, and he needs to be fed now, right now. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is more important to him than being hungry for his belly to be filled. That's just, you know, and he'll, he'll raise the roof, no problems at all, if you don't feed him now. And there's all the actions that go with it. I want food. And it's a great example. I think it's a great example that the Lord uses. Be hungry and be thirsty for that which is right. You know, for being faithful to the word of God. No compromise, no shortcuts, just an overwhelming desire to get it right. A desire, Lord, show me what's right. Fill me with what's right. I hunger and thirst for it. You know, if, when you're hungry and thirsty, nothing else matters. You know, nothing else. Even Collingwood playing grand final, irrelevant. You know, the most important thing is that hunger to be filled and satisfied by the righteousness of God. You know, there will always be pressure to conform. Always. The Bible says that. There will always be pressure to conform to the fashion of this world, to compromise, to cut corners. Always. You know, but the power of the Holy Ghost says it will transform us. You know, greater is he that was in us than any pressure that can't come in from the world. I've got an article here. I think Pastor Darrell read this article and he put it out on an email. But this is just an example of the pressure that is put on. This particular example is the pressure that is put on children in schools. Uh, this uh, this um, article is uh, called Reverse Bullying. And it says, unfortunately, wear it purple days. Now, this wear it purple was on Friday the 31st of August, in case you hadn't noticed. And it's good that you didn't notice. Uh, Unfortunately, wear it purple days lead to reverse bullying of those students who do not want to show public support for an ideology that challenges their traditional values and beliefs. Wear it purple apparently is, is to support the LGBT community and so on. 
and to show how inclusive and, and acceptable all that sort of behaviour is. Um, anyway, here's just a few testimonies from children. My younger sister was embarrassed in front of her school assembly on Wear It Purple Day when she refused to stand up in support for the LGBT community when everyone else did and was there, and therefore she was singled out as an outcast. Yes, I'm sure she copped it not just then, but probably still continues to cop it this day to, uh, you know, for not being supportive. On Purple, Day, on Purple Day, the entire school, this is another one, was made to sit through an assembly which openly advocated for alternative lifestyles. Students with different beliefs were silenced. In the end, all students were made to wear, purple, to wear the purple ribbon. In our school, Wear It Purple Days was planned without informing parents or obtaining consent. Prior to Wear It Purple Day, the children were shown a promotional video. So let's promote it as well. Anyway, you know, we, we pray that people in any community or whatever, uh, you know, state they're in comes to the Lord. But the thing is, there is always pressure. This article, where, you know, reverse bullying. If you don't accept the worldly standard, well, you're singled out. You know, and this is the pressure put on uh, children, obviously. And we've got a hunger and thirst in the midst of all that and in the midst of the constant unrelenting pressure to conform to the fashions and the standards uh, of this world. Well, there are no standards. We have to stand up for what's right, all the people say. And the only way you're going to do that is to hunger and thirst after righteousness by the power of the Holy Ghost. First John chapter 1. We'll finish off here somewhere. Um, <clears throat> First John chapter 1 and perhaps uh, verse 1. Those which we have heard from the beginning, which we have heard, uh, sorry, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our eyes and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Yes, Jesus Christ, who brought eternal life to us all. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, the light of his word, obviously, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So this is about eternal life. This is about the kingdom of God that we read about. It's righteousness and peace and joy of the Holy Ghost. And it's all about fellowship with God the Father and, in the, and the Son, through the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's a desire here to dwell in the light of his word, to get it right according to the word of God. We're cleansed and, 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 and uh, refreshed and renewed by the Holy Spirit in, in our life generally and whatever we do if we constantly have that ongoing desire. This fellowship 
It's got nothing to do with a social gathering or coming together and kicking back and relaxing. And, and, the, and that's, it, mind you, it's very, very good for us to be able to come here and draw aside from the world and, uh, and, and be refreshed and renewed uh, by the testimony of the saints, by obviously the Word of God and by uh, the Holy Spirit. That's all uh, the renewing and the refreshing of the Holy Ghost that we read about. But it's a fellowship with the Father and the Son and then us coming together to provoke and to stir up and to agitate the power of the Holy Ghost, all the people said. We want to testify what the love of God has done for us. We want to magnify the works of God in our life. We want to enthuse one another with the joy of the Lord. We want the excitement and the enthusiasm that comes with the revival of the Holy Spirit. We want to talk about the healings and the power of God in our lives. That's what we want to publish here in the fellowship amongst ourselves, that it may stir us up, that it may agitate us, that it may indeed uh, allow the Holy Ghost to well up within us. That's what our meetings are about. That's what our gathering is about, that we come with a, an excitement and a joy to say, I want to hear the Word of God today. Totally focused, tuned in. In fact, I was talking to a sister during the week, our sister Chelsea up in the hospital, and I was trying to tell her a bit about last Sunday's talk by Pastor Darrell about, is anything too hard for the Lord? And it just so happened I'd taken a few notes and I was able to tell her some of the examples and, and, and I said, you know, Chelsea, I'm sitting there taking these notes down, listening to the Word of God, and I'm thinking, of all the places that I could be, of all the things I could be doing, here I am listening to the enthused, exciting Word of God, you know, ministered in such a, a powerful way and uh, just really going into my soul here. And uh, it's exciting, it's uplifting, it's edifying. And, you know, we were both having a few, uh, well, getting a bit emotional and teary about it and then we had some prayer and reminded ourselves that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Praise the Lord. But that is what our fellowship, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son in the light of his word to stir and to provoke the Holy Ghost within us and bang, come and see what the Lord has done for me. You know, that's what Philip said to Nathaniel. Come and see, we've found him. Jesus Christ, the Saviour, the power of God, the one that will transform your life, that will give his life that you may be spirit-filled. You know, our fellowship provides a brilliant way to maintain that desire, that hunger, that thirst to be righteous, to be accountable to the word of God. And really, it counters the world and all the worldly ways and all the, the nature of the ways of the flesh and the compromise and the cutting of corners and the self-serving and self-justifying that goes on. The fellowship provides counter for all of that and to build up, of course, our accountability to the Lord. I'll just finish here. Sorry, I did say this scripture. If you just flick back, if you don't mind, to Second Peter uh, chapter 3, just to sum it all up here. We know the Lord's returning and verse 12, Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 12, uh, looking for and hastening on to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. All the elements that make up the current world order will be no more. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwells what? The righteousness of God. 
and being accountable to that which is right in the sight of God and according to his word. That is what will go on forever and ever. That's what the new age is all about. Uh, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent. That's a big word. Be diligent. Be prompt. Be earnest. Make every endeavour. Make every effort. You know, quite the opposite of being uh, of cutting corners and compromising. Be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blemish. You know, it's a new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwells the righteousness of God. Get it right with the Lord. You know, be accountable to him. This is a big word to apply in everyday endeavour and life and walk with the Lord and you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.